This is the Green Machine Podcast. I'm Nick and I'm joined by David. No Martin today, just just David and I. It's kind of like mom, mom and dad and kids are gone to summer camp. Yeah, fucker's gone to Ireland. Yeah, how dare he? Yeah, how dare how he? Dare I haven't been to yeah. Ireland. Why is he going to Ireland? I've been to Ireland for two years. <laughs> but I'm the, I'm the eight billion pound boy. You know what? You know, listen, right? I'm going to let you in a little secret here, Nick. When... Ireland, back in 2011, when the economy tanked, the UK gave Ireland £8 billion, right? The very same month that I came over here from Ireland to England. Now, is that a coincidence? I don't think so. I don't think so. It's a decent transfer fee. Uh, I felt a little bit shortchanged, but I'll, I'll let him away with it. Yeah, he'll take that. Happy days. Yeah, Never even thought of that. Never pieced that together. I'm glad no. you told me, though. This Someone's all makes sense. Telling you now. Someone has to listen. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Not a cheap date anyway, I'd say, David. It's a... um, I'm a very cheap date, actually. You, you bring me to a wet of spoons, mate, and I am all yours. Yeah, I'm, on my, spoons. I'm on my knees. Whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sorry, no, we're off to a great start here. Speak, speaking of doing anything they want, uh, no king. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, so, so this is just a little, uh, it's a manager Monday, but a little bit of a filler as opposed to a traditional manager Monday where we cover an entire era of a management series. So Don Givens is going to feel a little bit left out, David, isn't he? Because he didn't get an episode to himself. But I, I, I think it's very difficult to not have a little filler episode between the Trapetoni and the O'Neill era without speaking a little bit no, uh, about Noel King, um, the king, the king himself. Noel King, middle name, the, um, I'm sure in his own mind anyway. Yeah, uh, what an impact this guy. It's, in all fairness to Don Gibbons, right? Um, I know he fell out with David Conley um, and I think one or two <laughs> others. <laughs> when he had the, it's uh, funny that. though how... Caretaker managers for Ireland, they're literally only in the job for a couple of months, max. And he fall out. What, where, where was Noel, what was Noel King? Maybe a month. And then Don Givens was a little bit longer, wasn't he? Didn't he have two, he had two stints, didn't he? Because he would have been caretaker between McCarthy and Kerr. That was yes. a couple of months, wasn't it? And then he was caretaker between uh, Staunton and Trabatoni, which was about Wales and Brazil, five, wasn't it? five fucking years. Yeah, Wales, Wales away, the two all, and then Brazil in Crow Park. And yeah. in that time, fell out with Connolly in 2002. And then who did he fall out with in 2008? He did piss someone off. Did he piss Stephen Hunt off? Not that that's a difficult thing to do, but there yeah. was there was, there was was somebody he fell out with. To be fair, I know this isn't about oh, Gibbons, but, but to be fair to uh, Don Gibbons, he's the one who converted Kevin Kilban to a left back. Now, that could be a bad thing because he used to get targeted in every game, but he did... He did transition him into a left back and did prolong his career for a couple of more years for Ireland. So let's give him a little bit of credit. But 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 was but was but was a shocking under twenty one manager and King King replaced him funnily enough. Yeah, bugger! I, I can't. I had a little cheeky look there and go. Well, I can't. If somebody's listening, I mean, please please let us know. But uh, yeah, I mean, Don Givens. 
To be fair, he was a lot quieter than Noel King. That's why Noel King gets his own episode, Nick. To be, you know, <laughs> like Noel King, what an impact that man has had. Um, with the FAI since the eighties, he was part of the yeah. nineteen ninety World Cup squad, doing probably a bit of a Robbie Keane role, was he? Well, he, uh, he likes to he likes to remind people about that, doesn't he? He's he's always oh, yeah. saying, "Well, I was involved in Italian ninety, you know." And it's get over it, Noel. No one remembers you. No, there's a picture of him, I think, at Genoa, like, celebrating in wearing one of those absolutely snazzy uh, shell jacket suit type things, yeah. like, abs- which I am totally jealous of, by the way. Doing, his best, doing his best Mrs. Brown impression. Yeah, he does, actually. Yeah. You, uh, yeah. God, I'm it's exactly gonna... like Mrs. Brown. God, if I, if I only ever watched Mrs. Brown, I'd never be able to mm. look at her the same way again. Yeah. No king cross-dressing. Just... Anyone listening, this isn't in, you know, we're not playing homage here to Noel King in this episode whatsoever. We're we're discussing not only his brief managerial stint as senior manager, as, as he likes to remind us in that infamous interview with Tony O'Donoghue, which we're going to get into, but but also the other the other various roles he's had in the FAI. So if we were to go back periodically, he took the the reins of the women's national team in 2000 uh, from Mike Cook I believe now this Irish team and we we'd see Ronan on the show last month and with somewhat of a golden generation coming through didn't we you know we mm. Kira Grant we we'd Emma Byrne we'd Olivia O'Toole we had some really really talented players Emma Byrne was probably one of the best goalkeepers in the world and then we had the backbone of as I said Olivia O'Toole probably the best player to ever play for Ireland and then you would have had, you know, even the likes of, um, I think even, um, geez, I've, I've gone completely blank there. Um, centre half, um, why is this not coming to mind? Fiorentina. Um, oh, that's not good, is it? But, but, <laughs> no, but, but, uh, to a crack to start here, Nick. Um, <laughs> why, why can't I, why can't I remember her name? This is awful. This is just a, this is just a heifer. Like, I'm a big... Louise Quinn, jeez. Apologies yeah. to Louise yeah, Quinn. Just... But even the likes of Louise Quinn was coming through um, and um, Anyo, Anyo Gorman was coming through under King. So mm. a really, really solid women's side. And as I said, the backbone of that Arsenal women's team of the Noddies who, who just won all around them, won the Premier League every season, just had the backbone of that team. And they were awful. Uh, and... King was in charge, and then following on from that, he managed to get promoted. So that that's the thing with the FAI, you know, make a balls with your job and you get promoted. So he's promoted to under twenty one manager for the men's team, of course, and taken over from Don Gibbons, who'd been in the role kind of the same amount of time the King had been in the women's role. So ten years each, which for any international role is far too long. Mm-hmm. Uh, even even Sue Sue when she was on. Uh, last month, she did say, look, she said she was in the role for about uh, wasn't it, about five or six years. And she said, no, it's too long. So it's too long. You, you have to freshen things up. The manager themselves has to freshen their career up and the team has to freshen up, especially if, if, if you're not going anywhere. But you had two kind of failed regimes that were prolonged and ended with promotion. So I have Kings under 21 record in front of me here. And it's actually not as bad as I thought. It's bad. It's not as bad as I thought. So 52 matches, 19 wins, 9 draws, 24 losses, 
a goal a goal difference of zero. So seventy five goals scored and seventy five goals conceded. Sixty six <laughs> points in competitive matches. Uh, so starting off, so I remember I actually remember King's first game because I was on my six year holiday. Um, <laughs> it's actually eleven years ago today, and as I said I'm probably one of the only people who actually keep such a close eye and close tabs on the on the under 21s but it was that infamous game where anthony stokes ended his international career under giovanni trapattoni by scoring a penenka penalty remember that one? Oh yeah and that 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 was it like trapattoni just went nah you're not yeah. for me mate and scored like it was so it was a final five nil uh, win against estonia and just to go through some of the players who were actually playing so connor clifford who was kind of the wonder boy of Chelsea, wasn't he? The next Frank Lampard. Yeah. Seamus Coleman uh, was starting in defence. Whatever happened to him. Yeah. <laughs> James McCarthy was in central midfield as well. And Killian Sheridan, who's after signing for, for Dundee. Uh, but at the time, was at Celtic, I think. He, he was up front with Stokes. And, and we absolutely thumped him. And then just a couple of other players. So Stephen Gleeson went on to play senior for Ireland. Owen Garvin. Eddie Nolan, who's after signing for Waterford. Gavin Gunning. Rob Kiernan. Uh, who played for Rangers for a while, actually, and Stephen Henderson, who who's just after leaving Crystal Palace. So, you know, not a not a bad side, and started off with a five nil win, and then we didn't win for for a few games. We lost to Switzerland, lost to Turkey, drew with drew with Cyprus, and he stayed in the role uh, until 2018. Now there were a couple of kind of notable results, and I think that's really really important to point out because we're not going to be too kind to Noel unfortunately, in this episode, are we, David? But, but I think it is important that we point out some of the results. So in the in the European Championship qualifiers for 2013, I think it was, uh, a 2-2 draw with Italy at home and a 4-2 victory against Italy away, and then a 3-0 victory against the Netherlands. Now, just to kind of, you know, put it into context, uh, Ciro Mobile, who's after winning the Euros, he was up front for Italy in those two games. Uh, now, he was probably the worst player on that Italian team. <laughs> but but we still managed to beat them. And then even that Dutch team, if I can just have a quick little look through it. So, um, yeah, there's actually no one there of note. <laughs> yeah. It's... Yeah, Ziyech, Ziyech, who plays for Chelsea, uh, who now plays for Morocco, I think. He was playing, but apart from that, there's no one there who is actually a senior international. So it's probably a second team. But but even when I was doing a bit of research for this, David, uh, I was looking through the results. I was looking through some of the teams, the lineups, and I would have gone to a few of these games uh, throughout the years. But the thing about King was, one, he would never play. And this is this has always been an issue for, for national team, for, for Irish national teams, even at senior level. He never seemed to pick an 11 where every player was playing in their position. Like he had Matt Doherty playing in center mid. He had John Egan playing as a right wing back. You know, little bits and pieces like that. He had Samir, I don't know if you remember, Samir Carruthers playing as a holding midfielder when he was a winger. So you had that. There was a big reluctance to pick League of Ireland players. And it got to the stage kind of later in his regime where he was getting granny rule players from the conference or the, what's it called, the Valderrama League now in England. So the fourth tier and the fifth tier of England. Picking lads who qualified on the granny rule from there, as opposed to picking League of Ireland players, and then sometimes not picking 
you know, really, really exceptional young players that, that were actually available to us at the time. And only recently, Stephen Kenny has kind of said, well, we haven't brought Enton through from the kind of 1992 to 1997 age groups. Who was in charge of that? Noel King. <laughs> sterling work. Absolutely sterling work. Yeah, I mean, uh, Noel seems to be a bit like, I don't know, the other, a bit like, um, oh, what are you called? Uh, Mrs. Brown. Mrs. Brown, no, um, civil servant. You know, <laughs> just, that is, it, that is a perfect comparison. Yeah. He's just, you know, perfect he, comparison. He just had a job at the FBI for life. And, yeah. you know, he was there doing God knows what, 1990. She said, he's, you know, the women's team and then the under 21's team. And, and then all of a sudden, like, he was, he's, he did a terrible job. Well, he did a, a bang average job there. His actions didn't help um, the future of Irish football, that's for sure. Yeah. And then he was, well, player identification. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and ju- just for anyone who's not familiar with that. So firstly, before we kind of lead into that discussion about his role as the player identification, um, whatever manager, or player identi- head of player identification or whatever it is, flicking through his results as under 21 manager, who features really heavily? Little trivia question for you. Who features very heavily of note? Probably probably the best player to feature under Noel King. Six games. No, six, six out of whatever, 52 games. Who do you think? Jack Grealish. Jack Grealish. So Jack Grealish, I think he only got two starts or something. The rest were all off the bench. Now, he was probably playing about five age grade, grades above. But uh, yeah, Jack Grealish, it's it's kind of mad. It's mad just looking at it and seeing, you know, Kane Ferdinand, um, <laughs> uh, who else, you know, Joe Shaughnessy, and then Jack Grealish. So it's 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 a serious mixed bag, isn't it, under Noel King? But his role as player identification manager. So he he stepped away from the role in 2018, didn't he? And mm-hmm. the results are awful because I think like even looking at his his last few results, so we hadn't qualified for anything. Um, and then we were kind of on a, a bit of a barren run. So we just scraped by Azerbaijan. We drawn with Kosovo, who who literally had just started playing international football. 6-0 loss to Germany, 3-1 loss to Israel, and a 2-0 loss again to Germany in the return game. And he wasn't sacked. There was calls for him to be sacked for a long time. Um, and then there was, you know, there was... There was a few heavy defeats, you know, a bit of a thumping by Slovenia, got thumped by Italy and uh, Serbia as well. So th- th- it was in the pipeline. But instead of sacking him or terminating his contract, the FAI in pure FAI fashion give him another role. So player identification. So what I gathered from this role at the time was that he was in charge of scouting players both Irish-based and also granny rule-based, a little bit like what Mick O'Toole would have been involved in in the past. And so he he would have taken that role around 2018. Two players of note, and this has been one of the biggest discussing discussion points of Irish football in the last 20 years. In the time he took that role to the time he left that role, we lost Jack Grealish, we lost Teclan Rice and we lost a couple of other more players kind of, 
you know, further down the, the underage ladder. So Marcus Magoon, who would go on to play for the Barcelona B team. Uh, Louis Barry, who made his debut for Aston Villa, a really, really good player. Just a couple of other examples. And then there's, you know, there, there's been a massive discussion around the likes of Meepaw de Bico. Um, now, to be fair to King, he had left by the time all of that had kicked off. But mm. people blame the FAI, uh, their negligence in letting Grealish go and letting Rice go. And we can talk mm. about Jack Grealish and Declan Rice till the cows come home. People blame Martin O'Neill. But ultimately, the man who was overseeing, you know, their scouting and basically getting them hooked in was Noel King. And he wasn't in the job that long. But in those couple of years that he was, we lose them two players and he doesn't really get a mention. Uh, no, I mean, having done the research for someone else to this, obviously you, you've done um, an incredible job there with, with the under 21 results and all that kind of stuff. I've, I've handled two games in that period where you, you've gone way back through, way back uh, there through the, um, <laughs> through the mud. Yeah. Uh, painful. <laughs> Not enjoyable. No, and you kind of see how he conducts himself. He, he does look like somebody in the Phoenix Park, to, to paraphrase Eamon Dunphy. Uh, he does look like somebody in the Phoenix Park. He does look like somebody not very... I mean, Brian Kerr speaks very highly of him. Um, he did during these two games, and he says, like, he's professional. He does, you know, what he's supposed to do and uh, and all that kind of thing. I don't... Which I actually surprised me that Brian Kerr was a fan um, of Noel King. But when you kind of see how Noel King talks to people and deals with people, it's just, I, I, I take it very, I've never met the guy, could be the nicest guy in the world, but he strikes me as someone very difficult. Anyone I've ever known has ever met him has never had a nice thing to say about him. Um, he epitomizes FAI though, doesn't he? Like yeah, well, well, old FAI, that kind of the FAI toxic generation of FAI. Yeah. The, the FAI civil servant. And now he was sort of like, you know, mutually consented out the door or whatever it was. And he left. And now he's coming and he's taking barbs at Stephen Kenny. Like, and he's yeah. taking pot shots and stuff. And really, someone like Noel King needs to keep their mouth very, very closed uh, during this. Because, you know, his own career. Yeah, he has a very long um, career with the FBI. But that doesn't mean anything. He, ha you know, from what we can see, he had a very shoddy at best with some of the things and may have done a little bit of damage along the way also. Um, some of the best FAI employees in that kind of toxic era, they didn't stay very long, did they? Like they no. were either ousted because they weren't John Delaney, yes men, uh, or they were ousted for their own moral opinion. And Noel yeah. King didn't really budge, did he? And look, I mean, as I said, Anytime we speak critically about a player, a manager, whoever, it's never personal. We could sit down with Noel King tomorrow, have a few pints with him, and he could be a lovely, lovely man for all we know. Um, I, I don't know. Ju judging on what I've seen on TV and interviews of, of certain ilks and so on, uh, that might contradict my view. But at the same time, it's not a personal attack. It's, it's basically... Constru well, not constructive criticism, but criticism and probably warranted criticism of his tenure in two really, really big roles in Irish football and then a really brief stint in the top, top job. And, you know, he might hold his he head high, but 
to the fan or the average fan, it's, it's nothing really to be over the moon about. No. Um, yeah, I just... Uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of part of that era that hopefully we won't go back, you know, at the end of the day, a, a structure, a corporate structure, you know, anything like in, in the modern world, you know, you... <sighs> Obviously, the civil service is a bit different, you know, like it's somebody, yeah, you, you got a job for life, you just stay there, boom, don't ruffle any feathers in your grand. The FAO was like that for a number of years. But when you are you are a governing body and you have turnover, when you have any sort of turnover that's within six, in the six figure range, um, excellence is required to keep that and grow that. And uh, you've never, in the old FAO, I've never really seen that. Yeah. You know, I'm sure there were one or two, as you say, like were probably ousted, put out the door because they, you know, were actually kind of good. They were a threat to somebody above them who didn't quite like it. And unfortunately, that stagnates and that causes and that sags. And we've had that a lot with the FAI. And you, you do have people in roles that get put from, you know, the, like a, a bit like Peter Mandelson. Um, the Labour Party back in the day, uh, Tony Blair couldn't do anything with him, so he'd be Northern Ireland Secretary, and then that didn't go well, and then he'd be something else and something else. It's a bit like that, you know, when you kind of get your sort of this particular minister that you don't really want to get rid of them because for whatever reason you have a, a shine to them, but you sort of move them around, <laughs> you know, so yeah. they'll cause too much damage. It, it's kind of a bit like that. I remember being a bit unfair, I don't know, but um, you know, he's. Yeah, no way he should have been the under twenty ones manager. Um, but of course, through default, he becomes the when there is a vacancy in the under twenty ones or a gap there, the under twenty one manager must become the senior manager. And <laughs> oh boy, did he have an impact on his two games? Yeah. So as we mentioned in the last manager Monday, so no spoiler alert really, because you're well aware. But Giovanni Trapattoni, of course, sacked in September of 2013. But there was two games left, wasn't there? Kazakhstan at home, uh, just all the Borat fans and Germany away. So they those fixtures still had to be fulfilled before a manager was actually put in place. And it was confirmed that there wouldn't be any manager in place before those games. So Noel King, of course, stepping up into the limelight. I've never seen someone pat themselves on the back so much for such a mediocre job in two games. So the one thing I will give Noel King a bit of credit for, and this gave everyone a huge lift. So Trapattoni was gone. And I mean, we're going to do an episode on, you know, the, um, the amount of players he fell out with, um, yeah. which is an excessive amount. But the squad that Noel King announced, so Damien Delaney, John, uh, Joey O'Brien, both in the squad, haven't fallen out with, with Trapattoni. Kieran Clark, who was constantly overlooked in the squad. Darren Gibson, back in the squad after falling out with, with Trapattoni. And Andy Reid, uh, most famously, uh, falling out with Giovanni Trapattoni at the very start of his tenure, back in the squad under Noel King. And then Anthony Stokes as well, whose birthday was the other day, actually, and who who scored, who who lost his place in the senior Ireland team because uh, of something he did in Noel King's first game as under-21 manager. He was back in the squad, and of course he was banging in goals for Celtic. So you have five or six players, and, and not to mention even even the likes of, you know, Wes Houlihan, Anthony, Pil- Anthony Pilkington, Mark Wilson, guys who were getting picked under Trapattoni but just weren't getting game time. Well, maybe Wilson was a bit. Stephen Kelly as well coming back into the team. So there was already you know, seven or eight players who should have been in the squad for the last several years 
finally returning. And um, and that that was an immediate lift already, wasn't it, David? And yeah. and even the likes, you know, again, not to be too critical, but Darren O'D, Connor Salmon, Simon Cox, lads who just weren't performing, P, uh, Paul Green as well, weren't performing for Trapatoni, weren't performing for Ireland. Uh, King had the balls to actually drop them and bring in uh, all these omissions of mm. the Trapatoni era. Yeah, he, he deserves great credit here. And he did get great credit. He actually got great credit from Amy Dunphy as well. Um, but and from and from himself, I'm sure. Um, I'm sure he did, yeah. Um, yeah, he, he did actually. He made the job of the next manager very, very easy. So there'll be no sort of awkward phone calls. Oh, God, you know, it's time for you to come back. No, Noel did all that. Noel King did that. He had the awkward conversations. He got the likes of Gibson in, as you said, who, who was not available for nearly... Um, well, but basically, over a year after the European Championship, said I'm not going to play for you, and, and not not until he goes. Now, Darren Gibson, very troubled individual, obviously has a very very high opinion of himself. Um, but I can understand his frustration. But you know, he wasn't exactly Ronnie Whelan in the middle of the park. Darren Gibson, shall we say? <sighs> Probably struggled to be Glenn Whelan, to be fair. Um, no, but he, yeah, you know, and and he got players like him back in. And that was very, very good from Noel King. And, and and to be fair, that's, I suppose, where somebody like, I suppose, a loyal soldier in the FBI comes in quite handy. Like, he's probably he was probably told by Delaney, get these lads in. Maybe he wasn't, I don't know, but smooth the path for the next guy coming in. And he did that. And, you know, fair play to him. And, yeah, there was like O'D, Connor Salmon, Simon Cox were admitted. Paul Green was originally admitted from the squad. Um, but he had to replace Jonathan Walters, who was injured. Um, but yeah, the the wheels are set in motion. I think some of these guys I just had no real right to be playing for Ireland. Uh, not not when it was so much. There was better options there that should have been playing for Ireland, as you rightly said, about seven or eight of them. You know. Um, so yeah, it was a it was a good start. Um, it it was nice to see and um, Andy Reid get picked again i think it was only like 31 or 32 at this stage as well so he's still you know he's yeah. a very young man you know yeah just gone 31 and sadly he didn't really play many more games did he i don't think he played at all under o'neill like he played he played the i think he played against germany he definitely played against kazakhstan got man the match but uh but it was great to see him back in like i mean he did deserve you know i suppose the last hurrah even though he was a young man. So kind of prior to the games against Germany and Kazakhstan. So Martin O'Neill was actually a shoe in for the Ireland job. And he was kind of tipped to take over uh, for those two games. But he kind of backed off and subsequently King ended up being the manager. So, um, you know, Brian Kerr uh, kind of actually he wanted Noel King in the job, didn't he? Um, yeah, he said he, he should have been considered, um, which surprised me again. Um, he, he just yeah, he, he just said he'd like to see him. You know, maybe we he he's earned his stripes a bit. Probably in a weird way, Kerr was kind of comparing him to himself. Now Brian Kerr won back to back. Well, won the under 16s and the under 18s European Championships. Um, within like weeks of each other. So yeah, Brian Kerr had most definitely earned a right. Now it didn't work out as we've covered and you can go through our archives and check that episode out, the Kerr the era. Um, but Noah King, I, I I couldn't understand it. I thought, how's he earned it? Yes, he's gone through the motions. He's got, you know, he's, he's 
I suppose in a way, you know, he's had that career path, but nothing I'd I'd seen and anything that you've read out to me there. Nick. But like, but like his only achievement was existing in those roles. Yeah, he's just kind like of it, there. Like that's all it was. Because as we mentioned, like the the women's team from whatever 2000 to 2010, that was their golden generation. As I said, the backbone of that Arsenal women's team that dominated the Premier League for years, yeah. and they they achieved nothing. The under 21s. We mentioned already didn't qualify for anything a couple of you know flash in the pan results but a lot of hammerings and we are feeling the effects of that mm. of Noel King's under 21 tenure now and Stephen Kenny only remarked on that a couple of weeks ago you know that that 1990 yeah. um 1992 to 1997 kind of age group like there, there's very few players and any, any of the lads who have come through very few of them have actually um, have actually played underage for Ireland. They just they you know their first kind of caps came at senior at senior level. So as I said, it wasn't it wasn't earned because he achieved amazing things or showed showed a great adeptness in in player development. It was just the longevity that he was in those roles saw him progress and saw him get promoted. Yeah, yeah, that was it. It was just like there to fill the gap. Who's the man? Yeah, he, who's the guy you can put in now? Put Noel in there. You know, it's just it's yeah. just one of those like you just polyfiller Noel. And to come on to those games, so in Cologne, we get absolutely hammered by, by Germany. So a 3-0 loss, so Sami Kadira, uh, Andre Scherler and Mesut Ozil with the goals for Germany. And a really unbalanced team. And as I mentioned earlier, the thing that struck me about looking through some of those results as under-21 manager was that he was playing so many lads out of position. So Darren Gibson and Mark Wilson were the central midfielders. And I think they're, as far as I know, it was Damien Delaney and Kieran Clark that they were playing in front of. And then Kevin Doyle played as a winger, didn't he? Um, I think James McCarthy and um, and Glenn Whelan uh, were kind of playing as attacking midfielders, kind of number tens. And Anthony Stokes yeah. was kind of playing as a as a winger slash centre forward. So it was completely unbalanced. And I know, well, like, we... yeah, I know against Germany you have to sit back and so on. But I mean, playing players so horribly out of position just just isn't like that's, that's... common knowledge. Like, like you you could have asked, you could have asked a ten year old fan, and uh, to pick that team, and they would have picked a better team than Noel King did that night. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you, that explains how he got a four two win against Italy. Because if you win a match four two, that sounds like a bit of a crazy game. And sometimes if you do play players way out of position the opposition probably aren't ready for it and something mad happens but more often than not you you get a few hidings you know like you get you get a fair few hammerings because it's so out there it's so wacky but sometimes you'll win a few hidings if that makes sense because it's so wacky it's so out there a bit like throwing anything against the wall and i think that's what he did here um you know what, he did yeah what about that what about that response then uh you know from the the three wise men in the RT studio after. Oh, it was gas. I mean, he had said beforehand in his press conference, he says, we need we need to be able to defend and to attack. And, you know, <laughs> we need to be able to. That's like, uh, was it Michael Owen that said, the, you know, the team that win, the team that scores the most goals will win the game? Yeah, you know, that, that real pearls of wisdom there. And he also said, we need to be able to counterattack and defend the counterattack. Um, I, there was actually also a report of his, I was reading there of his first training session where he kind of just stopped the lads halfway through he started like barking orders at them they're kind of look and there's a picture of them they're kind of looking at him going uh what you know who, who are you like you know it was, it was it was a really real guy you know guy doesn't lack confidence i'll give him that doesn't lack personality uh very confident guy really believes in his own ability 
um, you know, start like barking orders of Premier League players. Fair enough, you know. Um, but yeah, he he did this. He didn't use any substitutions, uh, which was gas. We actually could have drawn this man. That this game was absolutely shit, uh, absolutely crazy, like batshit crazy. Um, and to answer your question there, when Heyman <laughs> said about uh, King, he said that uh, King made Trap look like Pep Guardiola. If you're running a competition for a member of the public who's never seen a football match to pick the team. That's the kind of team they might pick. Um, and King was told about this and he actually looked very, he was very stunned and he actually had to compose himself. And he, um, because Dunphy had been praising him all week. And then, you yeah. know, when it came to the match. Well, they had a bit of history, didn't they? Didn't, they did. Didn't, but didn't, I, didn't King in, injure Dunphy or Dunphy yeah, injured King? And I don't think that really came into it, though. Mm. I mean, a lot was made about that. I don't think that really came into it. Dunphy's never really one to hold a grudge. I mean, he what about he, Rod Little? <laughs> well, he did apologize to him actually on air. Um, when, that is uh, true, yeah. But what I mean is with Dunphy, like when he goes for it, Dunphy goes for it, you know, and he went for it with Mick. And eventually, then I think he, he he realized he was he was wrong about Mick and he came out and said it. And you know, even around this time, you wouldn't mind seeing Mick actually getting the job, apparently. Um, around this time, he did actually admit to Mick he was wrong when he interviewed him. So, you know, Dunphy's not the sort to, to hold grudges. I don't think anyway. When when he has when when he has a thing against you, he will go after you. We've seen that, but I don't think he I don't think he holds on to it. Like you know, we wouldn't it wouldn't be like when Jack held a grudge against him and against him Dumpy himself. Like and he never spoke to him again. And you know, Dumpy was very kind of sad about that. It's like you know, I wish I got to speak to him one more time really before he died. You know, nothing like that with Amos. So I don't think there was. I think a lot was made about that. I think King tried to say something about that too. Said, well, you know, there was this incident, or I don't know if it was him or somebody said it, but Dolphy had praised them all week, and it's just when he chose this crazy team, and the mad thing about it was, Nick, we actually, um, we could have been level before half time because yeah. Clark hit, hit it. Hit Clark, Clark at the bar, yeah, yeah, and then I think it was a poor um, Stokes pass that caused the shorter goal, and then we were chasing it. It was yet again throw shit against the wall, something will stick. It was a little bit about that. But he was told, King, about the, going off on a tangent now, he was told about the reaction uh, from Dunphy, and he his reaction was, oh, that's a funny show. They're so old, so antiquated, but real football people will see what happened out there tonight. Um, now, Dunphy responded to this, and Dunphy denies that his criticism of King comes from that bad tackle in 78 and insists he actually praised King for the entire week. And this is what Dunphy says. He says, he called myself John and Liam old and said that we didn't understand the modern game. And he continues, Liam's the head of the Arsenal youth camp, which is the most successful in Britain. There's no such thing as the modern game. It's just a game of soccer. I hate that word. I think he <laughs> thought he put out this team with this amazing, innovative uh, tactical formation and he made a balls of it. And we could have lost seven or eight nil. I think that's very fair. Mm-hmm. I think that's a fair assessment there at the end. He did. It does strike me that you know I'm this I'm this uh, this tinker man. Like I know what I'm doing. You know, all out all out fox the fox, and um, sometimes it works for you. Not very often. A lot of times you you get a hiding and yeah, it was three nil. Um, funny enough, actually, I came over on a, on a ferry for that game not to watch it. I watched it down the pub with the lads. And uh, I actually had come over on the ferry because I couldn't afford a plane, and I travelled ten hours in total just to meet Amy Dunphy at the um, 
the launch, his book signing of his book was the next morning, the Rocky Road. Yeah. And I remember actually when I met, I was up talking to my man till about four in the morning. And I remember meeting Eamon Duffy, it was second in line. And I was hanging through my arsehole. I was in bits because I had no sleep. He probably was as well. He actually struck me <laughs> that he was a little bit, yeah. He was lovely though. Eamon was a, was a pure gent. Uh, he really was. He got a nice little round of applause. He looked really humbled. And I, some fella actually got all his books, the U2 one, and the uh, uh, Only a Game, Football Only a Game. It's a very good book. The first uh, diary of a footballer, I believe. Which is really good, um, very innovative for its time. I have read it, and the Matt Busby um, game uh, book as well, Strange Kind of Winning or something like that. Strange, yes, a Strange Kind of Winning. Um, and I never thought to do that. I have most of those books, like shit. And I got them to sign the book for me, and we had a lovely conversation. And absolute gent, Eamon Dunphy is, and I do miss him on the telly. But uh, yeah, and that was my memory from that. And I just remember the match just being an absolute clusterfuck, like we were dreadful. Yeah, we could have drawn it. Yeah, and then just a couple of days later, Kazakhstan at home. Kazakhstan, of course, nearly beating us in Astana, didn't they? It was only was yeah. a few last-minute goals, Robbie Keane and Kevin Doyle scoring. So we played them in the return fixture. They caught 1-0 up after 13 minutes. Robbie Keane equalizes just a couple of minutes later. John O'Shea scored, I think it was only his second international goal, and then a own goal by the the goal scorer, uh, Dimitri Shomko. And it was an absolute screamer that he scored as well, from what I remember. Uh, but we end up winning 3-1, and uh, Noel King thought he won the World Cup. So that game, the thing that I remember about that game was how good Andy Reid was. But the main reason that that game is remembered was the infamous Tony O'Donoghue interview with Noel King. Uh, oh, it's cringeworthy, isn't it? Like I, I put it on now, but we're probably not allowed copyright and all, all that kind of stuff. But Jesus, that was just May, Mister Mayfain at its finest. It was, it was like he was fighting with himself, wasn't it? Because, yeah. you know, I mean, I mean, people can say what they want about Tony O'Donoghue. I know he he can be, you know, quite uh, quite probing, which he should be. You know, he's he's asking that's his job. He's asking questions on behalf of the national broadcaster. I think that's completely fine, but. He asked very fair questions. I think was the thing the thing that irked him was that he said, "Oh, Kevin Doyle and Anthony Stokes, why are they playing on the wing?" And his response was, "Well, Kevin Doyle plays on the wing for Wolves every week, and I think he did a couple of times, but not really." Anthony Stokes certainly wasn't. He was he was playing as a centre forward for for Celtic and scoring a lot of goals. And then King almost started fighting with himself, like having a bit of a a fight with himself and then just kind of tears into O'Donoghue. And you can you can almost tell um, there was two things about that interview. The first thing was, you know, as, as you would say, David, he was patting himself on the back so hard that his back was going to be sore. Yeah. Uh, you know, basically saying how proud he was of, of himself and how great he was and how he deserved this and how he enjoyed it. And, you know, I'm the Arla, he basically said, like, I'm the Arla manager uh, for now. And, and I'm glad I did that. And just these kind of awkward little aggressive passive aggressive laughs and then just having to go with Tony O'Donoghue out of nowhere like it was it was bizarre it was almost like an adrenaline rush like that I, th I think at the time that's what struck me I was like the adrenaline's just gone to his head he's halfway through this and he's like oh shit I can't really yeah. turn I can't really turn back I have to keep going 
I, I actually watched it recently um, when, when doing these notes and it's still bizarre to watch. Um, I can't even laugh at it. it it's that odd. Cringe, just, cringe at the end. It is cringe. And he goes to walk off and Tony has to bring him back. And he just like the way he goes on, like this, this is typical. This is typical uh, from, from you guys, you know, um, having a go with us. I was like, hold on a second. Like, I mean, there's some genuine questions here. You won fair play. Like, no one's cheering against you. Uh, you know, no, no one's wishing you to lose, but you know, there's some legitimate questions being asked by Tony. And Tony, you, you know what Tony's about. You've been a, listen. This guy knew. It just showed its whole lack of professionalism. People were turning around and going that like it's 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 almost like it's almost like he was like I'm I'm never gonna manage in the Premier League. I'm never gonna have a huge job and. He's probably watched so many interviews of, you know, Mourinho or whoever, you know, storming off and that's kind of their reaction. But like they're the real deal. He was, you know, you know, he he, he, he was, you know, he was the Poundland version of of them lads. Uh, even worse, I'd say he was yeah, the lucky he was the, he was like the lucky lucky man. Like, you know, just, if, if you know, if 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 um you know if Mourinho is whatever Harrods uh you know, King is literally the lucky, lucky man of of management, King, and King uh, the back yeah, the and it's all yeah, and it's almost like it was kind of like a learnt behavior that he'd seen, uh, you know, managers do, and it just it it's like the adrenaline, the adrenaline went yeah. to his head, and he was just so out of his depth. It was like, and that was that was the first, wasn't that the first reaction from Dunphy? As soon as it cut back to the studio, Dunphy was like, "Well, there's a man that's out of his depth." Yeah, he said he's out of his depth, uh, and he was out of his depth, and Richie Sadler said that as well. He was there with uh, John Lean wasn't on the panel, and, you know, Richie Sadler said, like, this is a guy who's clearly out of his depth, like, he's done nothing, you know, he, what Noel King should have been doing, and what any professional should be doing there, he should have been saying to the FH, you know what, you're probably telling me that I'm not going to get the job because John Lane said, look, he's not he's not really in contentious for it. He, he's our little soldier. You know, he's our little civil servant. He'll do wherever we put him in. We'll slot him in there. Um, you know, but he should have been going in with the mindset of, do you know what? I'm going to make it very difficult. For, I'm going to make it very difficult for you to to back to continue with that statement, even if you're pissing in the wind. But just go in there and act professionally and make as little noise as possible. He started off really well to team selection. I thought, well done, mate. I remember that, thinking, really good. That's nice. Good to see that. You're, you're picking a team that we all sort of want to see. You're doing what, what's got to be done. And then he picks that bizarre thing. He knows the situation. He knows he's going to get criticised, as he should. He knows what Tony Donahue's like. And it's like he went in there going, these guys are going to mill me for this. It was like the comments, he was still holding Saturday, uh, the comments from the Saturday or the Friday or whatever it was yeah. against that. He it's, went it's, in there on the shoulder. It's like he's he'd gone through it in his head so many times. Yeah, this and he was just waiting. And he because he he went off on a tangent. Like he was fighting with himself, as I said, at one stage. Yeah. And I don't know who Tony O'Donoghue was kind of like, oh, like by all means, like and that's whole, not what ha, I was saying. Ha, <laughs> and the whole ha ha and the ha and you know the the rolling yours, the exaggerated thing. I'm thinking you gobshite, like you are, you look so fucking stupid doing this. You look, you look amateur. There, you know, this is going to be seen all around the world. I'm sure it has done. And you just any chance you had of getting that job, well, like for it was like somebody. It's like he was doing it for the little guy sitting on the stool in the bar somewhere in the arsehole of nowhere. You know, I'm going to show these guys. I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. You know, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it for the little guy. So that one little bar fly will go, yeah, you tell him no. It was kind of like that. 
I'm going to champion myself. I'm going to show these guys who the boss is. And you end up looking like a sap. And that's what he did. He ended up looking so fucking stupid. And they did go back to the studio and they said, look, you shouldn't be acting like that. And, you know, Darren Malone, he was trying to say, well, you know, you were a parcel on him. Was, we weren't per- yeah. well. I mean, they didn't mean it personally, but yeah, I, I, the comments are cutting, and obviously there is a bit of entertainment value there. Um, you know, like with, with, Dunphy loves a good catchphrase. That's him, and that's what he does. Yeah. You start taking that shit personally, you, you're you're you are already out of your depth. You're, and that's the thing with him. He's this big personality. You know, that's his whole thing. He's bubbly, he's jovial. Ah, oh, look at me. Like, I'll carry the weight of the world. But you actually don't. It actually shows that you're very sensitive and you're oversensitive. And, you know, those few comments cut you to the bone, man. It was uh, it, 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 it was literally him playing out of fantasy. Yeah. You know, it was him. In, in, in his head, he was like, I'm managing. I don't know who he supports, but he's like, I'm managing Manchester United here. And I've been asked, you know, a really cutting question. And I'm really successful. And I'm so great that I'm going to kick up a fuss, be controversial and storm out. It was pathetic. Yeah, that it, it was it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing, and um, yeah, it, the whole thing was just an embarrassment. Really, he should have he should have enjoyed it. Oh my god! I mean, imagine me being the manager of Ireland. You just pick, you go in there, you pick your team. You know, I, I would have picked like Andy Reid, and I would have given, I would have played an attack inside to say, do you know what? And I would, I would have gone out there and had a go, and I said, do yeah. you know, what? go out there, show these lads what you can do. You've had a manager there that basically says you can't play. I would have put Reid. And who'll hand the same team or, you know, maybe switch, maybe one on the bench, whatever. I said, lads, you go out and play. And then if you get hammered, you come out and say at the end of it, you know what? I told them this. So, you know, that's on me. I set up an attacking team. I want to see us have a go because I'm sick of like saying that we can't play and I want to show we could play. And if we lost 3-0 and we said, but we play some good stuff. Now we went out lost seven or eight nil. That'd be a bit different. That team wouldn't have lost seven or eight nil. To be fair to that German team, they were home and hosed anyway. And then go out and do your stuff against Kazakhstan. Instead, he has a row with with, with RTE. He's making these silly comments. And and, and even when you see him in the press conference after the uh, after that Afga- uh, Kazakhstan game, I, he just looks yeah completely like amateur, you know, and yeah. definitely not up to the job. And that's why he. Yeah, I just remember Tony O'Donoghue went to shake his hand. And now this is maybe just me, but I remember Noel King didn't stand up or anything. He just sat down. And now that's only a small thing. That's probably a personal thing for me. And that's probably me being a little bit nitpicky. But I yeah. think it's I think it's huge disrespect if you don't stand up for someone to shake their hand. I'm just kind of... um, I could understand that. Yeah, I've done that now with people, um, but I've done that. More out of awkwardness, like not yeah. knowing what to do. I've never, I'd never do it. I'd never disrespect somebody like that. Um, but when you've had a row with somebody, that's a bit different, you know. <laughs> so yeah, well, I, think it's, I wouldn't even say I had a row, but when you've just attacked someone on public TV for doing their job, you know, yeah, just to fulfill your your own little fantasy. But thankfully, that was the only. Uh, they were the only two games that Noel King actually took over as senior manager, and thankfully he's he's gone from the FAI. Sorry, that actually sounds awful. But no, thankfully he's gone from the FAI. He's now with the Shelburne ladies team, um, probably running amok there as well. But look, he he understands the game. Uh, we'll leave him to it, and hopefully uh, what, what? we won't see him manage Ireland ever again. 
I just want I just want to clear it up when I was snickering there. I wasn't snickering the fact he's managing the women's team. I was just thinking when you said like, oh, that sounds terrible. Like he's gone out of the FAI. It's like fucking hell. Yeah, it's like yeah. this isn't personal. I swear it isn't personal. It's not personal. <laughs> it's just footballing. You know, it's our team, yeah. David. It's our team, and, and we want what's best for it. I don't think he's met, best for it. No, never met the guy before. Um, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure he's quite nice, nice fella. Um, I'm probably walking down the street and probably deck me. Um, but you know, nothing personal. But in terms of him being an Ireland manager, yeah, just oh my god, should shouldn't be anywhere near that job ever again. Yeah, thankfully won't be. So that's all we have time for in this little uh, filler episode between Giovanni Trapattoni and Martin O'Neill. So we will be back next week with the Martin O'Neill part one episode. So thankfully that's when things start looking up. It's all been doom and gloom so far, David. But thankfully things start getting a little bit better. So until then, take care, enjoy the weekend, bank holiday weekend may I add, and um, come on you boys in green.